How's everyone this morning? Blessed? I'm blessed to be here. It's been an exciting time to uh, hear all the different messages and to um, fellowship. It's been uh, a, a tremendous blessing. I'd like to start with a word of prayer, if you would bow your heads with me. Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath day. Thank you for um, encouraging our hearts through everything that we've heard here at this conference. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan to not only fit us for heaven, but you have a plan to enable us to finish the work you've given us. And I pray that as we contemplate that this morning, that you will inspire us to do everything in our power to work with you in this plan. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled the talk this morning, Agriculture and Education as it relates to the mission of the church. I was listening to the message last night and I see there's a little bit of overlap in what um, Brother Bob shared last night. So please, uh, uh, if you hear it and it's a little bit of repetition, repetition is one of the keys to learning. So um, there's a few slides here that will be quoting some of the um, quotes that he gave. And um, what I want to focus on is that not only has God given us a message of agriculture to develop our characters and that of our, our young people and children, but he's given it to us as a means of accomplishing the mission of the church. Amen? And, and it has actually, in, the, in our day and age, it opens doors that are little dreamed of that we haven't even begin, begun to tap into. I don't have time this morning to... Um, basically unravel uh, all of those different possibilities, but I would say that agriculture is the key that God has given us to reach the rich. The rich people in this world do not like you coming and knocking on their doors. They don't like you talking, uh, talking to them about uh, God. They, they, they're just not open. They're busy. They have other things that are capturing their attention. But if you can supply them with healthy food that has been grown in a responsible way, their door is open. They want to hear. And um, you can build relationships with them and, uh, and reach the wealthy in a, in a way that not even the health message, unless they're suffering from health, will reach them. And so I believe that uh, as the... Uh, health message is the right arm of the gospel message. Agriculture is the foundation of the uh, right arm. And uh, I won't talk more about that because that's another topic. I want to talk this morning about the training of our young people and how that agriculture plays a part in fitting our young people to do the work that God has given them. You know, if we just focus on agriculture and having our nice little lifestyle, growing our own food, and, and, and staying to ourselves, we'll be no different than Seventh-day Amish people. No different. Not accomplishing the mission that God has given us. And so we want to keep in mind that God has given us a mission to reach the world. And agriculture is a means to do that. Jesus said, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. There are souls out there that are just longing to hear the message, but they need a way of um, reaching them, and agriculture, I believe, is, is one of the ways. Jesus also said, 
that the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so the Lord is said to do what? To pray. We need to be praying that the Lord will send out workers into his harvest field. Not only can we participate in that, but he said pray that there'll be more. One is not enough. There needs to be many. There needs to be an army of workers that, need, that go out and reach people for his kingdom. We are told in the spirit of prophecy we can speak to him of our real wants. And if we want Jesus to come soon, we can hasten that day by doing everything in our power. And so if that's our real want, we can speak to him of our real want. And our earnest petitions will show that we realize our needs and will do what we can to answer what? Our prayers. So we need to be involved in doing that. We are told that with such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained might furnish how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon-coming Savior might be carried to the whole world. How soon might the end come, the end of suffering and sorrow and sin? How soon in the place of a possession here, with, a, with its blight of sin and pain, our children might receive their inheritance where the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever, where the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick, and the voice of weeping shall be no more. Don't be satisfied with your piece of ground here where you grow your own food. This ground that has been cursed three times from the fall, from the um, murder of, of Abel, and from the flood, this ground is cursed. It's not heaven. We need to be looking for the heavenly kingdom and, and uh, longing for that day and praying for it because when we inherit that land, we'll grow stuff like it's just going to be unbelievable. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so what is missing in our education that prevents this uh, army of youth being rightly trained from this being accomplished so that the end will come quickly? What is missing? Well, we are told that it's the development of character, and, and Brother Bob brought that out beautifully last night. I love hearing Adventist history because our early pioneers were so zealous to do the Lord's work, and they were willing to be radical and uh, to do things that were unheard of and that were crazy in their day. Um, but they wanted the Lord to come, and so they're willing to do what he had said. And we are told that we have nothing to fear for the future except what? Can you finish that? That we forget. That's right. So we are being reminded through this conference of the Lord's teachings and our past history. And, we, and if we, as we look forward to the future, we need to remember, we need to return to that council. So it is character, we are told, which decides man's destiny. That is very important. And we've forgotten that. In fact, we are told in the spirit of prophecy that all this book learning and just information that is not used in the practical life actually does harm to the brain. And uh, so we shouldn't be satisfied with just teaching information. We need to be involved in teaching practical things and, and how it applies to life. So agriculture provides the means of character development. And uh, we're told in this quote here, I'm just going to um, focus in on the um, highlighted points, but we're told that through agriculture and all the, the, the details of it, that it teaches important lessons con concerning the development of character, and that's for the thoughtful worker. You have to be thoughtful. You know, we have students sometimes come out the farm, and they just uh, 
their, their mind's elsewhere and they're not thinking, but we have to encourage them to be thinking and looking for the lessons that the Lord has for them in the work that's being done. So we'll teach important lessons concerning the development of character, but the work itself is what? A means of development. It's a means of development, and it's a most essential training. So if we're going to rightly train our young people, what do they need to do? Agriculture, because it is a means of the development of character, and it is character that determines destiny. The essential training will advance the cause of God. We are, and this came out last night too, we should uh, so train the youth that they will what? Love to work upon the land and delight in improving it. The hope of advancing the cause of God in this country is in creating a new moral love of work, which will transform mind and character. And character determines destiny. Agriculture is key to this. So we, we are told that we should start the training of our young people at a very young age. Start them when they can just toddle around, you know, get them out there in the garden. I had a friend who uh, went to uh, Fulton College in Fiji to train as a minister. And um, he went, he had hardly any money, but um, anyway, he had to grow his own food. He was forced into it because otherwise his family would starve. And he had a little toddler, two years old, and he'd get up at five in the morning, take this little boy out there into the garden, and this little boy would, you know, he's rubbing his eyes, waking up, but he was out there with Dad for a couple of hours growing food. And he told me later, he said, that boy is so helpful. My other kids, they didn't have that experience. And he said, but anything that needs done, that boy's ready to do it. And um, it makes a huge difference. We're told that if these young children that spend that time in the garden with the parents feeling that they have a responsibility, they, they use their time more wisely. Their spare time will not be spent in idleness. What are our young people doing today? They're spending time in idleness. They're on the computer. They only know how to do this. They don't know anything else to do with their hands. And we're told that they will have clear minds, they will be able to reason for themselves, and they won't accept what this one says and what that one says without some proof. And this is absolutely vital. We've got doctrines coming our way that are just heresy. And if we're just used to receiving information without actually reasoning and uh, seeing the, the, the real impact of it, we'll just, uh, just accept it. And that's what learning from books without any practical training does to the mind, to receive things and just be reflectors of other man's thoughts rather than um, thinkers. Agriculture provides that means. When the fall um, happened and God cursed the ground, it was for what? For our sake. When something's for our sake, what is it? Is it good or bad? A curse is bad, but it's actually for our sake. And so through the toil and through the hardship, it was for our sake so that character could be developed. And we're told in the spirit of prophecy that it was God's purpose to alleviate by toil the evil brought into the world by man's disobedience. By toil, the temptations of Satan might be made ineffectual and the tide of evil stayed. And though attended with anxiety, weariness and pain, labor is still a source of happiness and development and a safeguard against temptation. Its discipline places a check on self-indulgence 
and promotes industry, purity, and firmness. Thus, it becomes a part, it's not the means, but it is a part of God's great plan for our recovery from the fall. How many of you want to recover from the fall? I do. And I, I, I praise God. I am out there sweating and my back's hurting sometimes. And I praise God because I know as this is part of his plan, I'm recovering from the fall as he's teaching me. And so we, we need our young people to see that this is a, a blessing, not a curse. It reveals cowardice to move so slowly and uncertainly in the labor line. That line which will give what? The very best kind of education. You'll see that phrase over and over again in the spirit of prophecy repeated when she talks about agriculture and industry being taught in our schools. She says, look at nature. There is room in her vast boundaries for schools to be established where grounds can be cleared and land cultivated. This work is essential to the education most favorable for what? Spiritual development. And that is the purpose of our education, is to develop spiritual, um, our spiritual experience so that the image of God can be what? Reproduced. Reproduced in us. That's character. And character equals destiny. Nature's voice is the voice of Christ, teaching us innumerable lessons of love and power and submission and perseverance. Some do not appreciate the value of agricultural work. And what does God say about that? These should not plan for our schools, that, for they will hold everything from advancing in right lines. In the past, their influence has been what? A hindrance. So if there are any educators that are listening in, either here or on the live stream, please, this is what the Lord is saying. This is not just Ellen White's opinion. This is not our pet, you know, hobby thing that we're trying to promote. This is what the Lord says, and he wants our work to go forward and be finished, and we need a right, uh, an army of young people rightly trained, and agriculture is key to that. Agriculture prepares us and prepares our young people for the Lord's farm and the earth made new. This was, was shared last night. And um, again, this is the what? Very best kind of education that can be obtained. We're told that no line of manual training is of more value than what? Agriculture. A greater effort should be made to create and to encourage an interest in agricultural pursuits. We hear a, a lot about the School of the Prophets, and I even see some schools claiming to be a School of the Prophets, but I believe that they're a counterfeit. I'll tell you why. We are told in the Spirit of Prophecy, in all our educational institutions, physical and what? Mental work should have been combined. In vigorous physical exercise, the animal passions find a healthful outlet and are kept in proper bounds Healthful exercise in the open air will strengthen the muscles, encourage a proper circulation of blood, help to preserve the body from disease, and will be a great help in spirituality. For many years it has been presented to me that what? Teachers and students should unite in this work. This was done anciently in the schools of the prophets. If you want to see a genuine school of the prophets, the teachers will go out and work with the students. They won't just send them out and say, you need to develop your character. Mine is already developed. You can go. But they'll go out there with them and say, you know, I need this as much as you, and we can do this together. We're a family. And, um, and that, Ellen White says that if the teachers will work with the students, their influence over them will be many times greater 
Isn't it the purpose of our, our teachers to influence our students for the kingdom? Isn't that their work? So teachers working with students. So please, if you are running a school and you are calling it a school of the, uh, of the prophets, please don't do that if you're not working with the students. You need to get out and work with the students. And I'll tell you, it's powerful. Um, I have the privilege of working with students, and I've seen the impact of that. I'm not a, um, a sanguine you know, uh, person that easily uh, builds relationships with, with people. Um, and I found that working with, with the kids, I, build, I bond with them. And I'm able to talk with them, and they start trusting me. And I find over and over again opportunities to talk to them about things that they're struggling with and, and to help them and point them to Jesus. And it, and it works. Even some of the rebellious kids, it's amazing to see. I had, a, I had a student that I had working on the farm for several years, and he loved working with his hands, but he was deep down quite rebellious. And um, when he left school, he went out into the world. He watched a lot of TV, filled his mind with rubbish, and started some bad habits. And, and um, I won't get into all the details. But because of the relationship that was formed there working on the farm, several years later... I uh, met with him, we went to um, a restaurant and we had a meal together and we talked and I could see that he was unhappy and I talked to him about his spiritual life and, um, and, he, and he shared with me, he has a longing to, to come back to the Lord but he, um, there were things, obstacles that were in his way but I prayed with him and encouraged him. Well about a year later I saw him again. He came to my home. He actually texted me and said, "Can I? I'm, I'm in your area. Can I come to your home? So I said, yeah, please come over. So he came and he, he, he started talking. And after we got through just the, you know, um, getting, seeing how each other was doing and so forth, I said, how, how are things going for you spiritually since our last talk? And he started telling me, well, nothing's really happened and so forth. And I said, you know, when I talked to you, I could see there was a longing for it. And we started... He started to open up to me and, and, and share. And so I kept pointing him to Jesus, that Jesus can deliver him from his problems. And, and then he said, would you pray with me? He said, I don't even know, you know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. And I said, do you want to receive Jesus into your life? It's going to totally turn your life around. You need to be serious about it. And he said, yeah, I do want to. He said, part of me doesn't, but part of me does. And so we got down there. We knelt together. And I said, if you don't know what to say, just repeat after me. I'll tell you a, a prayer that you can say that I know that you mean from your heart. And I led him in that prayer. He received Jesus. He broke down. And he just wept. And he just was so grateful, thanking me. You know, we're told that the young, that, that people that stray from the Lord, it's almost impossible for them to come back by themselves. They need somebody to bring them, somebody to help them come back to the Lord. And, you know, our young people are often struggling. They have a longing in their heart, but they need somebody to help them. I remember as a student, um, newly converted at Weimar College, and I really enjoyed the classes. I really looked up to my teachers and respected them, and I longed to have more time with them. But, you know, I, sometimes I would make appointments to meet them in their office and to, um, you know, try to get some counsel from them. And they, yeah, we'd have the appointment, they'd give me some counsel, but then they busily went off about preparing their next class that they had to teach. And we didn't have that bonding time. We didn't have that heart-to-heart that -heart time where they could have had a much greater influence. And unfortunately, I, I would say there were many 
of the students that I saw in the school, in this wonderful school, it was a huge blessing to be there, that after their schooling have left the Lord and, and have wandered away, or are living nominal Adventist lives, not active in, in the mission of the church. That could be changed if teachers will work with the students and bond and have that influence. And that's what Sutherland and, and these early reformers did because the Lord said to do it. They, they just did it because God said it. So this is vitally important. It's a soul-saving education. The influence for good that the manual training work has exerted over the student overbalances the financial loss and would overbalance it if it were 10 times as large as it is. The main reason our, school, our farms get shut down is because it costs too much money. The student labour is too expensive. And so we don't have agriculture in our schools. It's because we're looking at them to bring money in so that we can continue our classroom teaching. But the purpose of God is to develop the characters. And if it costs 10 times as much, praise God, it costs money to, to teach in a classroom. It, it costs money to pay salaries for teachers. This is the very best kind of education. If we're going to cut anything, cut out some classroom time. Right. Ellen White says if one should be neglected, let it, it should be the books. It's not that we should not teach from the books, but we need the practical with it. She says, how many souls this work has helped to save, you will never know till the day of judgment. It's a soul-saving work. If we want our kids in the kingdom, we need to have agriculture. It's absolutely essential, and it will change their lives forever. I have been led to inquire, must all that is valuable in our youth be sacrificed in order that they may obtain an education at the schools? If there had been agriculture and manufacturing establishments in the connection with our schools and competent teachers had been employed to educate the youth in, di in the different branches of study and labour, devoting a portion of each day to mental improvement and a portion of the day to physical labour, there would now be a more elevated class of youth to come upon the stage of action to have influence in moulding society the youth who would graduate at such institutions would many of them come forth with what? Stability. Stability of character. And character equals what? Destiny. They would have perseverance, fortitude, courage to surmount obstacles, and principles that would not be swerved by wrong influence, however popular. Isn't that what we need? An army of young people rightly trained to finish the work? If only, if only our educators would, would see this and would, would do it. What a difference. We'd be home soon. Because of neglecting agriculture and education, we are told that our churches are suffering. The churches everywhere are suffering through the neglect of parents to train their children not to self-indulgent laziness, but to the bearing of stern, hard responsibilities. Men and women are destitute, so children didn't learn it, so they become adults, and men and women are destitute of the stern virtues required to build up the church. They are deficient in the very qualifications essential to the prosperity of the church. I have found as a pastor that um, it is not the majority of workers in the church are practical, blue-collar type workers. They are more available 
and willing and have a can-do attitude than those who have gone and got the higher education, they've got high-paying jobs that require many hours beyond a, a regular uh, work week, and they're not available until maybe they retire, and then they're available to, to do the Lord's work. But it's the practical people that have that can-do attitude and want to do... I guess my time's up here. Um, that want to do the Lord's will. Um, this is essential to building up the Lord's work. A personal experience that I had that the Lord opened my eyes to how important to, to have our young people learning agriculture from a young age. Um, often I get sent groups of um, students from the academy and it's a blessing to have them on the farm. I want them there. So please don't take what I'm saying is that I don't, I don't want them there. But they, that some of the students, the upper grades were getting... Uh, taking their pre-SAT tests, so the lower grades got sent to the farm to help with harvesting sweet potatoes. So I had about roughly 25 students came down and I showed them what to do and um, tried to get them to, to get involved in harvesting and they slowly just kind of, you know, would pick up. But they were so busy talking, throwing things at each other, laughing and goofing off that it just really wasn't happening. I, was, I tried and tried to keep encouraging them to focus and let's get this done, but it wasn't happening. But then I looked around and I saw four girls that were busy picking up sweet potatoes. They weren't stopping, they weren't socializing, they weren't um, distracted, they just were busy doing the work. And I thought, what makes a difference for them compared with all these others that are just distracted? So I went and worked alongside them and I wanted to find out how they became like that. So I asked every single one of them, how come you, you're busy working and the others are playing? How come you're not distracted? What? And you know what the answer from every single one of them was? It was, we were homeschooled, we had a garden, we did this kind of work at home and we're used to it and we know what to do. Amen. That's what they said. And you know what the Lord just impressed me so strongly this is Gideon's army this is Gideon's army an army of young people rightly trained focused able to think able to do able to carry on the work that's been given them to do an army of young people rightly trained we are told all who labor in the cause of God in any capacity should be what wholehearted in the work there is a lesson for us in the experience of Gideon's army. Those whose hearts were in the work were so earnest that they would not stop to kneel by the brook to drink, but dipped up the water in their hands as they hurried on to the battle. And these ones, these were the ones whom God used. While those who made deliberate preparations to drink and took what? Took their time, they socialized, they were chatting, they weren't focused took their time for it, were sent back to their homes. The Lord God of Israel is watching every worker to see whether he is in earnest, whether he carries upon his heart the burden of souls. An army of young people rightly trained might furnish how soon the message of a crucified, risen and soon coming saviour might be carried to the whole world. How soon might the end come? How soon it might come. How many of you are longing for that day, for the end to come? Let's do everything in our power to train our young people rightly using agriculture as the Lord intended. Let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for inspiring us.
that you have a plan and you have a method of reaching our young people, influencing them, preparing, developing not only their characters but ours as we work with them in this work. Father, may all of our schools reform. May all of our schools take hold of this message. May those who have been wrongly educated repent and receive the instruction. And though they might not know what to do, to start simply and just do something. And I know that you will teach everyone and bless everyone that, that tries to take hold of this message. So please, Father, bring this reform about. We want to go home. We want to inherit the land. We want to be with Jesus. So we pray for this and we pray for the salvation of all of our young people. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.